Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Bobby, to the Lower East Side this week on Urban Spelunking, an 1874 home that's, uh, well, it looks like a home, but inside it looks a lot different from a home because it's actually an event space. And breaking news, the Paps Theater Group has just announced that it has closed on this property and will be operating it moving forward. Yeah, it's the first time that the Paps Theater Group has actually owned its one of its venues because, you know, they, they lease uh, or rent all of the other spaces that they use. So this one will be the first one that they own, oh, right? It will also be the oldest, ve- I mean, this is, you know, the Paps Theater Group is known for having old venues, right? They were in the Riverside, they were in the Paps, they were in Turner Hall, they have events mm-hmm. at the Colectivo building, which is from 1917. Um, but this is now the oldest of the buildings because Turner Hall previously was the oldest, 1882, 83. And this place was built in 1874 as a mansion for a shipping magnate named Robert P. Fitzgerald. Wow, it makes the Riverside Theater look like a spring chicken here, right? We're talking 1874. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so this was designed by Edward uh, Townsend Mix, who is a super well-known Milwaukee architect. Heard that name plenty on Urban Spelunking. Yeah, designed Old Main out at the Soldier's Home, designed the Central Standards new building, designed uh, the building that has the, the Mackey building with the grain exchange in it. So lots of well-known uh, Milwaukee buildings. And it's a beautiful Italianate house that has been operating for nearly 20 years as an event venue um, called Villa Philomena, but it is officially no longer called that. Uh, the Pabst folks have renamed it the Fitzgerald in honor of its original owner, Robert Fitzgerald. Well, there you go. Full circle moment. And this really was set up already to be an event venue. So the Pabst Theater Group isn't doing a, they're not doing a full remodel of the building because it's already in pretty great shape and it's designed for this. And they're also saying that they're not going to make it a music venue either. This is going to be an event space for weddings, showers, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's at least 90% weddings, if not more than that. Um, Very popular wedding venue. Um, They do, I think, about 50 or 60 events a year as it is. Um, Pabst, which has a, um, a sort of finely tuned events um, department, will probably up that number, I would guess, because they're going to also um, probably do meetings and, like you said, showers and all sorts of other events. Um, and they have a team that works on that. And so it will continue to be that. Well, coming up next in our extended conversation, we're going to go back to the namesake of this building. Fitzgerald. We're going to talk about uh, the original owner and, you know, it's been there, like we said, since the 1870s. So a lot of history there. More about that next on Urban Spelunking. Don't stress about that car you don't need. Embrace the lazy days of summer by donating it to Radio Milwaukee. We accept many kinds of vehicle donations, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, and even RVs. Pickup is free and you could get a tax deduction. Donate your vehicle now, and then kick back and enjoy the great music and stories you help to support. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to start your donation today. All right, Bobby, back on the east side at the Fitzgerald. This is a brand new, new to us event venue. It's It's been an event venue previously inside of a historic home. Now, uh, just breaking news, it was announced yesterday that the Paps Theater Group has uh, purchased this site and will be operating it. So let's... um. I guess um, we know the future, but let's talk about the beginning, the 1874 days and Mr. Fitzgerald who built this building uh, in this home. So let's start there, 1874. 
1874 fits before going back before that even Fitzgerald was an interesting guy. He was born around 1825 in New York um, to Irish immigrant parents who had come from um, Ireland where the family had some money. After arriving in New York, they moved west to Michigan, uh, where they worked on a farm, apparently. Um, and while they were there, Robert begins uh, working as a sailor on the Great Lakes as just a teenager. He, he's, I think, like 15 when he starts working on um, a schooner. He becomes a captain of a schooner that's uh, working on Lake Huron by the time he's 19. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and then by the by the early 1950s, he had relocated to Milwaukee. By the age of 30, he had his own business, which he started with a single sailing ship and expanded that into brokering vessels and was selling marine insurance and was involved in the construction and the sale of ships and was somehow um, involved with um, armor, the fam- Philip Armor, the famous Chicago meatpacking uh, magnate who had his fingers in a lot of businesses too. So they were, they were somehow involved together. And he was also um, involved in the Milwaukee dry dock company. He was a founder of the board of trade in Milwaukee, which became the chamber of commerce. Um, so this was a guy that, you know, started out, you know, as a sailor, <laughs> as a kid basically, and managed to become just this extremely wealthy, influential um, Milwaukeean. I, I just love when we get to talk about Milwaukee's maritime history on urban spelunking. You know, I feel like so much of the conversation is uh, focused on our industrial past, but the the maritime past was so integral to that. It was really the 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 before and the after of our industrial history, right? I mean, the the materials came in via via the port and exited via the port. So, um, you know, these these folks that were involved in in the Great Lakes and in our maritime history, it's a uh, really important part of who we are as Milwaukeeans. Yeah, I love that too. And I love when you see the old photos of Milwaukee and there's like actual like freight schooners and ships going up and down the river. You know, and now they'll open up the, you know, the Wisconsin Avenue bridge for a, a pleasure boat. <laughs> but like you see these photos from a hundred years ago where they're opening it and there's just like a giant tugboat towing this huge, <laughs> you know, freight ship down the river. I just, I love that part of Milwaukee history. And as you say, that was an integral part of what Milwaukee was. And really it's an integral part of what Milwaukee is today. I mean, there's still so much shipping going in and out of the port. Um, I think that's super interesting too. Yeah. That always surprises people. At least it's, unless you know, maybe, but just, just how active the port still is for, um, you know, shipping via, via ocean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. There's, and there's, there's been some people on social media who follow that really well. There's a, a local news guy has a Twitter feed called big boats, Milwaukee. And he, tr- you know, he keeps track of which ships are coming in and which ships are going out. And, and I think it started because he has a, a an apartment in a, in a tall apartment building with views out over the lake. <laughs> so he takes pictures out of the window and, you know, then just sort of researches what's coming and going is, but it's interesting when you pay attention to that kind of stuff, you really start to realize how active, an industry it still is in Milwaukee. It's, it's easy if you're not paying attention to forget about it, but it's, it's, it's going on every day. Well, back to the home. So Fitzgerald lives there until when, and uh, you know, because it, it was a residence for a time, but uh, for more of its life, it was not a residence. Yeah. So he lived, his family lived there for about 27 years, 25 yeah. years. I uh, sold it to a guy named Oliver Fuller in 1897. Um, and Fuller is an interesting character. He was born on a plantation just before the civil war in Georgia. And apparently it was destroyed by the civil war and they owned enslaved people 
And um, those, of course, those people, of course, gained their freedom with the end of the Civil War. Um, and so the family moves to Atlanta, where his father opened a grocery business. And then he ended up meeting a woman from Milwaukee and married her. And that's how he comes to Milwaukee. Ultimately, he married Catherine Caswell, whose father, uh, his name is on the Caswell building downtown. Um, so they were a well-known Milwaukee family. He comes to town and sort of like Fitzgerald, he's immediately, you know, he starts off in the grocery business, but um, ends up being one of the founders of the first Wisconsin group, helped found the Wisconsin Trust Company. He was a trustee of Northwestern Mutual. He was on the board of Wisconsin Telephone, Alice Chalmers, Milwaukee Gaslight Company. Wow, collect the whole set, huh? <laughs> right, the public service company, which, you know, helped run the streetcars and that, the um, Milwaukee Refrigerator Transit wow. Company. He, he was, he was on the board of the auditorium, you know, right. So, um, so he was in. So again, it's another, it's a house where, um, there's a family living there, but as you might imagine, there are also servants and cooks and, you know, chauffeurs living there. Um, so it's a pretty packed house for a while. And the Fullers lived there, um, or I should say a Fuller lived there until 1945, because after, um, the Fullers move on, they leave the house to their daughter, Inez and her husband, George Miller. Um, and so, they live there until 45 Miller dies in 45 and Inez sells the house to a woman who converts it into apartments and, and rooms for rent. Um, so that was in 1945. So, yeah. So for almost 20 years, it stays that way. Um, and then in 18, in 18, in 1963, it is sold to um, the college women's club. And this is an organization I had never heard of. Was this, um, was this for women attending UW Milwaukee or what, what was this organization? It, it was actually women who um, encouraged women to get college degrees okay. and they, and to also do social service work. So they had um, committees that they organized um, that sort of investigated and tried to help out on issues of all kinds. Like they got involved in school board elections. Um, they were involved in women, women's suffrage movement they um, had committees on the working conditions of sweatshops <laughs> and child labor. Um, so all kinds of things like this. And then ultimately, uh, it was also, of course, a social organization. Um, but then later on, they, they gave scholarships to women to attend college. Um, and they had a home where young working women could live. So they operated a place where, you know, single women could uh, presumably feel safe and and is that's what was happening at this building? So apparently it's, that did happen a bit at this building, though they had been doing it in another building nearby in Van Buren. Uh, but at some point that facility was demolished because then they moved some of the fireplace mantles from that building into this building. So there was apparently some of that happening here. There were apparently rooms that could be um, rented to women, but I don't think it was a major part of what was going on here. What they wanted it more was for their social events, their various committee meetings and, and directors meetings and that sort of thing. Um, which was why in, when they bought it, they, um, hired an architect who tore down the back of the house. Yeah, And this is where the, the current footprint is a little interesting, yes. right? It gets, it's interesting when you walk into the place and, I, and I'll tell you why I'll tell you the background first, but so he, um, designs an L shaped addition. They tear down the old coach house and the kitchen on the back of the house 
and they build this L-shaped addition on the back, which is basically a giant meeting hall, like event space with a stage and and a big barrel vaulted ceiling. It is literally sort of an auditorium, an auditorium with like a like a dance hall almost, you know. Um, you walk in through what looks like a normal home, right? And then you get a few steps in and it's yeah. like a ballroom opens up. And I read about this before I'd actually been there. So I, I said, oh, so they, you know, they put a, and it described the back space as a meeting room. So I thought, oh, okay. So it's just like a little more open than it used to be. But when I got to the house, I went through the front door expecting an 1874 Italianate mansion. And the first couple of rooms are like that. But then you can immediately see when you walk through the front door that the back wall is not there anymore. And it just opens into this giant space. So it's an interesting hybrid of 1874 Italianate mansion and giant hall. <laughs> it's really interesting. And when you're standing at the hall, looking back into the mansion, the mansion part almost looks like a stage set because that, that wall there at the back is missing. So it's almost like you're in the audience looking at, you know, like a television sound studio stage set, but what's there from the mansion. I mean, a lot of the mansion is still there. I, I don't want to make it sound like, it's not really there. I mean, the, a huge chunk of the mansion is still there and is incredibly beautiful, especially on the outside. Absolutely beautiful on the outside. But then inside still, there's some details. There's some great hardwood floors still. All of the super heavy, heavy moldings around the windows. That has those beautiful, tall, skinny um, windows that Edward Townsend Mix really loved. And um, it's got a big, heavy newel post at the bottom of the staircase upstairs. Post? You got to explain yeah, that one. Like I don't the, know a post. It's like the end of, you know, like the banister when it starts at the bottom nice. of the steps is at this big, heavy, a big post. decorative thing um, on the stairs. Yeah. Yes, one of those. Yes. A newel then, post. Got it. <laughs> yes. And then upstairs, there's still two like arches on either end of the, the hallway connecting all the bedrooms. A bunch of rooms still have really nice fireplaces. And one of them, like, I think it was the boardroom. Um, when the college club was there has this incredible fireplace that has like a built-in cabinet above it. I have a picture of it in my story. That's really beautiful. So there's, I mean, it's a, it's an absolute, it's an absolutely beautiful place. And even the hall is really nice. It's, you know, um, it's an attractive hall. It's not a shed. You know? um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned it from the outside. I mean, it, it's got the columns, it's got like the vines, it's got uh, just all those Italianate features, the, the, the pointed roof in the middle. So, yeah, so I, originally I was wondering, how do they do big weddings in here, you know, because it said that that they, you know, can do weddings of like 200 something people. Um, and I realized after I've been there, there's that giant hall in the back. So really, it's kind of like a, it's sort of a perfect wedding venue because it's a beautiful, beautiful 1870s house that also has this giant space in the back. <laughs> so it's super flexible. I guess they have like a an outdoor patio area that they can do. They can have ceremonies out there or whatever. Um, then they have this giant root, this giant space. They have like the old bedrooms up in the house are now like a bride's room and a groom's room and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's, it's really sort of perfectly suited to what they use it for. Well, you can see pictures from the inside and more about that brand new exchange, the new uh, closing, um, this becoming a Paps Theater Group property, which will certainly bring some change to the building and some change to that organization too. I mean, they've been in the event business and the concert business, of course, but really not in, in small wedding venues like this. And one detail that stuck out in, in the story, Bobby, is that um, you know, they will have so much more flexibility with their schedule, you know, and that's something I never really considered with the Paps Theater Group, how much, you know, 
uncertainty there is in booking and how they have to leave dates open that, you know, a concert could roll through that, um, you know, could displace a wedding. And that's guaranteed to not happen here because the space will be dedicated for just those kind of events. Absolutely. They do a lot of weddings at um, Turner Hall, especially uh, Turner Hall Ballroom. And and in some of the other venues, they do events too as, as well. But really the concerts always take priority. So that's, you know, for the events team at Paps Theater Group, that's always been a challenge. Um, but they told me that that's the beauty of this one for them is that there is no such no such challenge. They have 365 days a year uh, to book this place without fear of a concert coming and, and disrupting anything. Well, definitely go check out the photos and see for yourself. We're not kidding about how beautiful it is. Inside and out, you can find a link to Bobby's story in the description box on whatever player you're using to listen right now. You can also go to RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcast and find a link right to Bobby's story. In fact, if you go to our website and to On Milwaukee, there's a huge archive of buildings and places we've talked about. We've got a tag on both of our sites where you can really go down the urban spelunking rabbit hole. That's at RadioMilwaukee.org and at OnMilwaukee.com. And coming up next week, Bobby, we've got a really interesting guest. This is not, uh, we're not talking about just one building. We're talking about a few different buildings and really the theme of preservation. We've got uh, the executive director of the Milwaukee Preservation Alliance joining us next week. Yeah, Jeremy Ebersol, who has been here for about two years, arrived just in time for a pandemic. Um, and he arrived uh, just in time to sort of step into a bunch of projects that the Preservation Alliance was working on, including Old Main at the Soldier's Home. Oh, yeah, for sure. Talked about that many times. Right. The domes um, and then the Columbia Hospital uh, issue has popped up in recent times, but also the Forest Home Library and a bunch of other projects that we asked. And we asked him about all of those. And we're going to hear from him next week. Yeah, really good information straight from the source. If you're if you're into building preservation, which I'd assume if you're, uh, you know, 20 minutes into this podcast, you probably are. So make sure you join us next week. Subscribe if you're not already and catch that episode next Tuesday from Radio Milwaukee and from on Milwaukee.